You're listening to the Firm Foundation Church Podcast, where you'll get weekly episodes featuring your favorite sermons straight from our in-person Sunday services. Check it out. Hey, church family, Jalen here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to our podcast. I am so excited because today we have a very special treat for you. In this episode, we take you all the way back to the first Sunday of the year. Christina Davis gave us a stirring message that reminds us the importance of taking time to release, remember, and consecrate our lives to the Lord. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and God bless. Okay, I'm going to start out this morning by telling you guys about our very first minivan. We've had three minivans, and our first minivan we bought when we were 22 and 23. Camden was one, and we were about to have hope, and we were super excited to, well, I was super excited to have a minivan. I always wanted a bunch of kids, and I thought, I'm ready for them. Got a minivan, ready for all these kids. We bought a Dodge Caravan, same kind we have now, not the the top-of-the-line minivan, people, but it was, we were excited about it. It was used. And one thing about um, these minivans that you buy used that aren't top of the line, the closer they get to 100,000 miles, the more character they get. And (laughs) this one, um, every one of our cars, even the ones that weren't minivans, have interesting stories. I wouldn't trade them for, I wouldn't trade all the stories we have um, of our used old cars for any new car in the world because they... They gave us a lot of good laughs. But this one developed this problem where you'd be driving down the road and all of a sudden the windows in the front would just drop down into the door. <laughs> so that was bad when it was raining or it was cold or it was super hot. It would just, and so then they would either, we lived closer then to our parents. If my dad or his dad was in town, they would have to unscrew all the thousand things around the door frame and pull it off and pull the door, the window up. And, you know, we thought the first couple of times it was just a fluke, but then it kept happening. Window was gone, you know, and so my dad was in town when he said, "We gotta, we gotta figure this out. You guys can't just keep having your windows drop into your doors. You know, it's not good to like leave your car in the parking lot with your windows rolled down and all that." So he cut out these little cardboard wedges, and he had Blake. Blake was barely twenty, so he didn't really he needed dad's help to fix cars back then. He's he's a pro now, but back then he needed help. So. So uh, we've had lots, he's had lots of practice. So he had Blake pull the window up and then my dad stuck, well, he put the door frame on and then he stuck these little wedges in between the door and the, the window, um, you know, what do you call that? Rubber, seal. That's, so anyway, he, my dad's like, just, you know, don't let the kids touch it. Like as long as those things are wedged in, they should stay up. So that's what we drove around these cardboard wedges stuck in our windows. Our rich friends would like reach out, what is this? And we can slap their hand. That's holding our car together. You know, don't touch it. I know you don't get it, but this is it's literally holding our car together. And so, I mean, we knew that our, our minivan wasn't the pride and, you know, it wasn't the envy of all of our neighbors and our friends. And so anyway, in 2009, we moved from Dallas-Fort Worth down to Brownsville, Texas. It's the most southern tip of Texas. And because everybody knows the shape of Texas, right? We all, we all love Texas. And so we, we moved down there and Blake rent, Blake uh, flew down a few weeks early and rented us a house about six miles from the Mexico border. And we drove up to see it. whenever we moved, there was bars on the windows and I cried. <laughs> I thought we, we have 
we've really gone downhill. And little did I know that in like 10 years, I wouldn't live in a house without bars in the windows when we lived in Guatemala. So things, things can change. But when we, we lived in this rent house for about two or three weeks, and 90% of the people in Brownsville, um, Spanish is their primary language. And a lot of people speak very little to no English. And so we were eating dinner about two or three weeks after living there, and we get a knock on the door, and Blake answers the door. And it's a little, a little Hispanic guy, and he says, uh, I, I, uh, I buy your car, and Blake was like, mm, no, it's not for sale. And, and he said, I have cash. And Blake's like, no, no, it's not for sale. And he's like, you sure? Yes, I'm sure. And so he, he left, and a couple weeks later, we're pumping gas, and this little man comes over and says, you sell me your car? I, I have cash. Blake's like, no, our car's not for sale. Like, what are we missing? here. And the third time it happened, we were out playing with our kids. Some guy pulled over, asked us if we would sell him our van with the cardboard wedges sitting in our driveway. And Blake called an elder of the church. and He's like, what is going on? And the guy started laughing and he said, people come up here and they get old used cars and they drive them down to Mexico and they can sell them for more than what they'll buy them up here. And they specifically look for ones who has parts that you can buy in Mexico. And he said, so you're, you've got a prized possession there on your hands. So you could probably sell that car for more than you could sell it anywhere in the state. And we just laughed. Like, we're like, we can drive this van around in pride now. Like, we have a jewel on our hand. Like, this is valuable. And we didn't realize the value until we were in the right location. And so that's what I'm praying for us this today, is that we're in the right location for God to show us our value. For God to show us the value of this year that we've been through and the people that are around us, and what's in ourselves, because this is something the Lord's been speaking to me all month. December 1st, I was like, God, I pray that you would start speak. you would give me a word for next year. And the Lord said, no, I want to talk to you about this month. And God's been doing a lot in my heart in December that I just want to share with you um, this first day of the new year. All right. So the verse that came to my mind when God started talking to me this month about some things he wanted to deal with me was Matthew 7, 6. It should come up on the screen catch my breath here. It says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. And I felt like the Lord said, start studying that verse. And so I started reading commentaries and one of them took me back to Exodus 22. It's when God was giving the law to Israelites, the Israelites. You guys have read through the law, right? There's some ridiculously crazy law in there because God was trying to say, I want you set apart, and I also want you to see that you can never be holy enough without a Savior, right? That was the point of it. So this is an interesting one. Exodus 22, 31, this one won't come up, so if you want to jot it down, you can read it later. Read it, read it later. You are to be my holy people. Here's the law. So do not eat the meat of an animal torn by wild beast. Throw it to the dogs. So back then, they could eat meat if they trapped or they hunted an animal or they raised an animal and killed it. They could eat that meat. But if they found roadkill, they couldn't eat that. That was unholy. They had to throw it to the dogs. Okay? And here, all the way back here in Matthew, where Jesus was speaking, he said, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs. So instead of saying, throw unholy things to the dogs, he's saying, don't treat what is holy as unholy. 
And so as I was studying that, I felt like the Lord said, there are some things that happened this past year and even years before that, that you've been considering as unholy. You've thought that they were failures or you've thought that they were, um, you were treated unfairly or they were bad things that happened to you. But if you will let me, they will be holy in your life. I can make them holy in your life. Don't treat as unholy what I want to be holy. And so that's what I've been doing this month is, God, what is it that I've been treating unholy that you want to make holy in my life? And these are some of the steps that he's taking me through this month. Um, And I'm just going to go and tell you the three. He's had me release, he's had me remember, and he's had me consecrate. Okay, so we're going to go through those three steps. We're going to start out with releasing. And to help um, explain this point, I'm going to tell you guys about my mom. She broke her elbow in the spring. And really, really bad. And she, because she had to keep it like this for a while, it also made her shoulder stiffen up to where she could hardly use her arm. And she's been going to chiropractor adjustments, massages, therapy. But when she started physical therapy, they said, take your pain pill before you come. And so she went three or four different weeks to her physical therapy, two or three times a week. And they, they told her after a few weeks, it's not getting better. It's not, it's not, it doesn't seem to be working. And they said, are you taking your pain pill before you come? And she said, no that if it was really hurting, I would take one afterwards. And they said, well, that's the problem. They said, take the pain pillow because it releases tension. And we can't do work on it if, you've got, if it's tense, if it's tied, uh, tied up, if you're, if you're coming in like this. And so I felt like that came back to my mind, and I felt like the Lord said, I can't work the things I want to work out in you at the end of this year until you release some things. And so I'm going to tell you guys two of the things that he's told me to release that I feel like will be applicable to a lot of you. But I want you to be in a spirit of prayer as we talk. And I want you to ask the Lord, is there something I need to release that isn't one of these things? And ask him. It's not too late. We can do, that on, we can do this on January 1st. The first one for me was to release offense. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense, to have good sense, makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. How many of you know it does not feel like it would be to our glory to overlook an offense? Something about holding on to our to offense makes us feel like we are holding that person accountable. Even though we know like it's like drinking poison and wanting them to, you know, croak or something like it doesn't work that way, but our brains tell us that. And I felt like the Lord just said, "Do you trust me with situations where you felt offended or do you not?" Like, do you feel like you need to hold on to that? Or do you trust me enough to put it in my hands? And he, I was reminded of something that someone told us once, that how you leave one season is how you're going to enter another one. And if I leave one season holding on to a fence, then I'm going to enter a season bitter. And if I enter a season bitter, I'm not going to love well. And so I'm going to, I'm going to let go and I'm going to give God my offenses. And one thing I was reading about recently was the word um, resentment because offense can lead to resentment. And it said the worst thing you can do to grow resentment in your life is to ruminate. How many of you know what ruminating is? It's like what the cows do when they chew their cud and then they spit it back out and they chew it some more. And, and if you're ruminating on offense, then eventually like you're going to rot, right? Like if you're ruminating on things that are, in, that are nasty. And so I felt like the Lord said, you need to switch what you're ruminating on. Like ruminate on the fact that God, I trust you. God, you're good. 
God, you've got me. God, you can take care of anything that happened last year that was offensive. God, you can show me how to create boundaries without being angry. Do you all know that's that can be a hard thing to do? And so that's what that's what I've been doing this month is learning how to release offense. And I've had these opportunities where I've been able to release offense, and then God's given me an opportunity to to actually act out love towards somebody that has offended me. Like, okay, now I'm going to give you an opportunity to actually do something for that person. And that's been such a blessing and such a gift because it shows me like, okay, not only does the Lord want to change my heart, but he wants to let me know that, that he's going to walk me through every step of it and give me opportunities to prove to myself that I really have released it. Because I mean, if you know, like the enemy can come back and like put things back. Oh, you haven't really forgiven them. You haven't really released. And God's like, no, I want to plant that in you. And so that you know that it's done. And the second thing that I feel like he's telling me to do is release disappointment. I like this verse right here. It's in Jeremiah 17, 17. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I love that it says like that it's still, their heat still comes, right? Do you see that part of the verse? Is it up there still? We have it. Sorry, guys. The heat still comes and the drought still happens, and yet they still are still green. It still bears fruit. I love Craig Rochelle and, and what he says about pain being our friend. And he said that he's trained himself that when things come against him and pain happens, he's like, this is my friend because it, I can grow from it. And that's one thing that I've I need to work on. I don't like pain. Like I, I have a friend that her New Year's resolution was that if she stubbed her toe or she hurt herself, she was going to make herself say ow because she kept everything inside. And she felt like the Lord said, you need to, you need to be more vocal about your pain. And I'm the opposite. Um, I think it was two nights ago, we were all laying in our bed watching something on TV and Nora tripped, was walking the bed, tripped, jammed one of her fingers uh, so far up my nostril. There was there was, it was like a COVID test by a bulldozer is what it felt like. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the neighbors heard me. Like, I, I'm not ever going to be like, I really need to learn how to say ow. Like, I, I need to learn how to, you know, chill a little bit. I was yelling and there was blood gushing and it was, it was quite dramatic. But I, I don't take pain well. And I feel like the Lord has been talking to me about that. Like, you get, you get, sorry, I was filtering my words there. You get, um, you get yourself so worked up about every little thing. And I want to use those things as holy as your, in your life. Like, think of them as friends. Like, when something goes wrong, when something hurts, like, release it. Like, God, what are you going to do with this? This disappointment, what are you going to do? Like, these disappointments from 2022, God, what are you going to do with them in 2023? Because those are the, like looking back, we can realize that the disappointments led us to the next season, launched us into the next season, were more effective than any of the wins. And so that's one thing I'm doing is releasing disappointments from this last year. Also, sometimes if you've had two or three bad years in a row, you just expect it to happen the next year, you know? And I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to expect God to continue to be faithful and God to continue to use even the bad for his purposes, All right, so after we release, after that tension gets loosened up and God can start really doing some work in us, I think about the next step being to coming into his presence. And it says that like you come into his presence with what? 
thanksgiving and praise. Yes, since let's remember what he did and what he's doing. Psalms 143.5 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. And the Israelites, if you read the Old Testament, God told them over and over, like build an altar or set out some stones and remember what God did in this place and tell your children and tell your grandchildren. That was very important to the Lord for them to remember. And it can be a challenging thing to like figure out how to release, but then also God's also telling us to remember. How do we release and how do we remember? And I felt like this month God gave me a mental picture of like, remember in grade school when you would do a matching? You know, you would have something over here that would say something like um, grass, and you would have to, to like put it to mass, like a, a rhyming word, if it was rhyming, like you'd, some kind of thing where you would match the sides. I felt like God said, when you remember, you, you list your struggles and you list how God came through for you and you match them, you match them, you match them. And so that I, that's what I've been doing this week or this month. I've been thinking about different challenges, not just this past year, but years past. And then I've been matching them with how, what God did through it. And it's been such a faith booster to me. And, and so I challenge you, like if you're taking notes right now, Write down something real quick. If it's one word that you can come back to, like, this was a challenge. And then I want to encourage you to find something that God did to match. And I want to, I want to challenge you guys to come up with three things that God did this past year, challenges that God met, and then I want you to tell somebody about it this week. And let's just remember what God did like the Israelites did, like, like set up this, like an altar of being like, hey, guys, look, this happened, but God did this, and this happened, and God did this. And it also, it trains our brains that when such challenge comes, when pain comes, we're waiting to see how God's going to match it, because God is able to do more than we can hope or imagine, right, with what, he, with what, um, what we give him and what life throws us. Another thing I thought about when I'm thinking about um, remembering what he did is just thinking about years way, way long ago, where I knew what God did, but it didn't mean a whole lot. But if I continue through the years, it makes more and more sense, right? And so continue to go back years past and be like, oh, remember what happened way back then? Um, most of you know that we're praying for our oldest son. He's struggling with his faith. But whenever we, when I was pregnant with him, I had a lot of trouble during my pregnancy. And I felt like the Lord spoke clearly to me and said, you need to know that the enemy tried to steal him at, before birth, but I have a plan on his, I have a plan and you're, you're going to, he's going to be born. He's going to be healthy, but you needed to know now you need to have something from birth to hold on to. So when it looks one day, like I, I don't have him, you can know that I've had him since the beginning. And that's held me through the last couple of years that, that he's been struggling is, you know what? God told me at birth, before birth, you know, that, that he had him. And so I don't have to fear. And so that's another thing about like writing things down now, 20 years, it could be what holds you steady. Secondly, um, remember who he is. Sometimes we don't know what he's doing, but we, we still know who he is. In Psalms 18.30, it says, this God, this is from the ESV, I love how it says this, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. One thing that I learned recently, have any of you gone through anything like inner healing or freedom ministries? They, they do something where they, they tell you to picture yourself in the place that was traumatic for you and ask God, where were you? I mean, 
And what were you thinking? And we did that recently with, with one of our little boys that has kind of a traumatic story where we, we asked him, he, had a, he struggled with, with a situation, and we said, we want you to, we worship for a little bit, and we said, we want you to picture yourself back there, and we want you to ask God, where were you? And we want you to ask God, what were you thinking? And the, the answers that he gave after worshiping and praying or something that I'll treasure forever. And so I think that a lot of us, we need to do the same thing. We think about things that happened this past year. We think about things that happened a long time ago. And we, we, we ruminate over how we felt. We ruminate over questions of why. And God says, I've got, I've got questions. I've got answers for you. But you're asking the wrong questions. And so I want to challenge you guys. I've done it, I've done it too. Since I saw it happen to Happened to him. I've done it with myself. Like I've told you guys before that I had childhood leukemia and things were, were different back in the early 80s. And one of the traumatic things was for me was sitting in a room waiting for a bone marrow biopsy and hearing kids scream in other rooms. And so I did that with the Lord. Like, God, where were you in that room and what were you thinking? And that brought a lot of healing to me. And so I just want to challenge all of you guys, like, remember who he is. He was there. He has answers to your questions. They're not going to answer. They probably aren't going to be the answer to the why questions. So ask him other questions that start with another one. Where were you? What were you thinking? Well, what were you thinking? Sounds bad, but you know, what were you thinking about me? And so one thing that I was going to end on with this remembering is the first time we had Bonnie and Mark over for dinner, Bonnie told us her story. You, I asked her permission to talk about her this morning. Well, I don't know that I asked her permission, but I gave her a heads up. <laughs> she could have told me no, though. But it, she told this, y'all, y'all have to hear her story sometime, a two, kind of like a two-hour story of like, by the end of it, I know mine and Blake's mouths were just hanging open. And I, I was like, I told her, I was like, I would have never guessed. I would have never guessed that this was your story. And she said, because I'm not going to let the enemy have even one little bit of myself because that story, like I'm giving it all to God. Like he's not getting any little power. He's not going to get, I'm not going to live my life based on anything that he tried to do. And I thought that was so challenging for me because my story isn't anything compared to that. And yet I can fall into this victim mentality of, of like, well, you know, because of this, I do this or because of this. No, I'm free. I want to be like Bonnie. I want to be free. I want to say, no, God has the, has the say. And God tells me how I'm going to live and how I'm going to respond. And so I appreciate that about Bonnie. Okay, so releasing, remembering, and last thing, consecrating. I forgot to talk to you guys about something Blake told me. Back, you know, when I said that verse about the, the pig giving holy, it's where I got my title of my sermon. So it, my title of my sermon was Make It Holy. Going back because I'm a I'm a good submissive wife, and he said, make sure that you, you talk about the title, because <laughs> we want God to make it holy in our lives. All right, let's fast forward to consecration. All right, consecrate. The, the definition for consecration is the act of dedicating yourself to the service and worship of God. Um, I would be telling all kinds of stories if it wasn't Kids Day and they weren't on the front row, but an, another actually the same child, has a hard time sometimes whenever it's something that we're all looking forward to. It's like Christmas or birthday or whatever. And then it happens, and then he he, crowd, he like has a meltdown. Because something in his, it doesn't live up to some kind of something in his mind. Like, and so I talked to Blake about, you know, before, before presents, why don't you have like 
a little talk. And so he set him up on the kitchen counter, and he was like, you know what? Like, presents are awesome, but the real awesome part is just us being together. Like, presents aren't going to bring us joy. Presents aren't going to bring us happiness. Like, it's togetherness. It's just, it's just a little bit of a perk, you know? And Christmas went so well. And how many of these kids know, like, if you're going to take them into the grocery store, things go a lot better if before you take them, you say, hey, guys, we're going to be in and out. The better you behave, the faster we can be. Like, don't, we're not buying anything that you want to buy. We're not, you know, you talk to them beforehand than trying to, like, talk to them in the middle when all hex broke loose, right? So it's the same thing. Like, that's what I feel like the Lord said. Like, Christina, if you will decide these things before January 1, then your year is going to go a lot better. And so the act of dedicating yourself to the service and worship of God, to me, was just like God saying, Christina, I want you to say, it's not about me. And so that's what I've been saying. Like, it's not about me. Like, that's why we want to hold on to offenses, right? It's because, oh, it was kind of about me, and they kind of messed it up, you know? It's like, no, it's not about me. And these disappointments, like, man, it didn't go how I wanted. It's okay. It's not about me. And then remembering what God did, like, oh, there's such a bigger picture. It really isn't about me. Like, praise God that it's not about me. And Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so here are three areas real quick. This is my last point um, that I want to consecrate myself as, as, as we go into a new year. Number one, I want to consecrate myself as a servant. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Recently, I saw like a a Facebook reel, and I wish that I had saved it because I feel like I should give him credit. But it was some guy, and he said, I've got great news for you guys. God wants you just the way you are. You don't have to clean up first. You don't have to change. He wants you just the way you are. Come to him. He loves you just the way you are. And then he said, and once you've done that, I've got bad news. Now he expects you to change. Like now he's your savior and he's your Lord. And sometimes we forget that part, right? We forget that now we're servants of his. Now what he says goes. Now he gets to call the shots. And it can be easy to go day after day after day and forget that we are servants of the most high God. And what he says goes. How we spend our time is called by him. And what we purchase, what we buy is called by him. And how we spend our time and who we spend our time with should be called by him. Like he's the one and that takes, that takes, um, that takes intentionality. That takes sitting ourselves up on the kitchen counter and being like, what do you want me to do, Lord? What are are your expectations for me today? But I want to consecrate myself beforehand so that it's easier in the moment. Secondly, I want to consecrate myself as a receiver. So a lot of times we get the part right, like we know we're supposed to be obedient. We know, we know. But it's, it's about so much more than that with the Lord. Like he wants, to, he wants us to surrender so that he can empower. He wants us to love him so he can love us back. He wants us to pray so he can speak back to us. It's a back and a forth. I, this has been one of my favorite verses since Bible college. It's Isaiah 57, and it says, But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame, Isaiah 57. And if you read earlier the first six verses in Isaiah 50, Isaiah is saying, 
he's kind of talking about how everything's going wrong. He's like, people aren't treating me well. He even says, I'm disgraced. Like people are turning against me. Things aren't going well. And then in verse seven, he says, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. And that's why it's so important to go back to the Lord because we feel our flesh feels a certain way. Like I've been disgraced and we spend time with God, but I haven't been disgraced. Like, gosh, I'm so ashamed but I don't live in shame. You know, I'm angry, but God, I can release that. That's what it is to receive. It's to take our flesh and let him raise our spirit up to be stronger than the flesh. And that's what I'm consecrating myself. Like, God, I know that I'm not here to like do a little dance perform for you. I'm here to have a relationship with you. And I'm sorry for doing things on my own. I'm sorry for getting to that place where I'm just dry because I'm not receiving from you. Why is it that we can go days without coming before the presence of God sometimes? Like we, we don't realize, and I think maybe somebody said that during worship, like we don't realize what a gift it is to be able to be in the presence of God. And that's, what, that's a goal for me in 2023. I want to spend more time soaking in the presence of God. And lastly, I consecrate myself as a giver. You know, I'll know this verse in Matthew 28, 19, 20, but it says, Go, therefore, and disciple all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always. So that's in Matthew. In Luke, when Luke tells the story, he talks about how before he went to heaven, before because he I'm sorry, Jesus said that right before he ascended. You guys know that. But Luke tells the story of what he said before that. And he said, stay here in the city and wait for the Holy Spirit to come and empower you. And, I, and then Matthew tells what he said about go. So you kind of have to put Matthew and Luke together to see that Jesus said, stay until you get the Holy Spirit and then go. And I think that that's just such a, um, a reminder to us that we are supposed to be going. We are supposed to be doing. Like we're not supposed to be just soaking. Like there's always, we're always supposed to be going. We're always supposed to be loving. We're always supposed to be drawing people to him. And the more we get soaked in the Holy Spirit, the more we should look like the Holy Spirit. And so I, one of y'all's things in your packet, kids, is like the fruit of the Holy Spirit paper. Let's put up the fruit of the Holy Spirit real quick. Did I have that? Galatians? Yes. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I love that last part, against such things, there is no law. It's like, none of these is against the law, people. You know, like nobody's going to throw you in jail for being more loving, joyful. Like we're not asking a lot. It makes me think of that meme that I really love that says it costs zero dollars to mind your own business. Like it's not hard. It's not hard to mind your own business. Like how this is like, it's not against the law, guys. Just be loving, joyful, peaceful. And the more of the Holy Spirit we have, the more we should portray that. Nobody should be out doing this on these things, these things that don't have the Holy Spirit. All right, losing the kids. Almost done. All right. Oh, okay. So as Blake and I were talking about this part, about how can we go, how can we be better givers? How can we love people better? And um, one thing we made, we made a New Year's resolution together. He's made some, I've made some, but we made one together. And that it's, it's that we won't talk negatively. We're going to try. Um, like, you know, the old saying, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Like, we don't necessarily speak negatively to each other, but, you know, driving down the road and you see a lot that's got, like, junk on it, you'll say, man, what a junky mess. Like, we want to cut that stuff out. Like, there's no point in it. Like, there's no, no reason to say any, anything negative. And if you, you know, you're around somebody and they're, they're being, like, negative and you leave and you're like, man, they're being 
grouchy, you know, like nothing, like just not saying anything if it's, if it's not positive. Because we just decided like, how can we love well when we're not thinking well, right? How can we think all grumbly about everybody and everything and then expect to go out and love people? And so it's a New Year's resolution. So you guys can hold us accountable too, because I thought I've still got my, I've got a best friend that I talk to every day from back home. And I'm like, I can still tell her all this. <laughs> I can still be negative with her. No, Christina, you got you to stop it all together. Like, because I'm more the one, you know, because I, I say it like it is, that can be just kind of negative. And I, but I'm putting myself as accountable to him. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop that because we want to love well. And how many of you, like, can ask the Lord, all of you can ask the Lord and be like, what do I need to do to love, to love better this, this year? How, do I, how can I give better? How can I love better? Yours might not be talking negatively. It could be something else. I could give some examples, but I don't want anybody to think I'm specifically talking to them. So ask the Lord, like, how can I give better? How can I love better this year? And lastly, I want all of this in my own life to be done out of an act of worship. Like, I don't want it to be done as a, like, like you, what's the word you used in huddle? Like, just to be better improving. Not just as an, I'm going to try to improve myself, but I want it to be out of an act of worship to the Lord. Like, Lord, you've saved me. You've delivered me. You've brought me through so much. You've taken, you've taken things that felt unholy and made them holy in my life. And so, Lord, let me honor you in a deeper way this year. And I'm going to Romans 12.1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, you know, the last one? Worship. Yes. It's our worship. I'll end with this story that Joyce Myers tells about. Um, she said that she told a church this, a big church full of people, and she said, I'm, what if I told you guys I made a huge batch of cookies, wrapped them all in little cellophane? Is that how you say it? Cellophane? And a little ribbon around it. Like, everybody gets your own cookie as you leave. And um, it was, it's a recipe that's been passed down from, from generation to generation, and like, it's just everybody loves it. And she said, but today I did something, or yesterday when I made them, I did something a little different. I took one-eighth of a teaspoon of, of like cat poop, and I put it in there. But I mean, it's, I mean, I made a bunch. And so like the chances of your, your cookie actually having any in it is, is like almost nothing. Like would anybody want a cookie? No, no none of us would want a cookie. <laughs> so brave. She's brave like that. Um, <laughs> but... I think about that with my own life. Like, God, I don't even want an eighth of a teaspoon of unholy. I don't want an eighth of a teaspoon of, of anything but what's purely you. Like, as I go into this new year, like, God, I want, um, I want you to take anything. I want to release anything that's not holy. And I want to remember all the things you did. I don't want to take any bad memory from this past year and give the enemy hold over it. Like Bonnie, like it's all God's. Like God's, God's going to make the best of it. And God, I belong to God and it's about him and his story. And, and then the last thing, like I consecrate my whole self to you. Like I belong to you. Sit me up on the counter. Tell me like it is. And I want to be obedient. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to continue to do this throughout the year to to release, and to remember, and to consecrate. Thank you for tuning in to the Firm Foundation Church Podcast. If what you heard was inspiring or transformative, tell us about it. We love your feedback. Join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. We are located at 61070 M40 in Paw, Paw Michigan. 
For more information on how you can get connected, check us out at firmfoundation.church.